0: Welcome to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with our host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary is provided by Kate Hassett and Jackson Delisle. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack, and production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team.
1: All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Influence Factory. We have a great show for you today. We have a special guest that'll be coming on shortly, Wayne Messmer, who's uh, in uh, Arizona at the Cub Spring Training. And Many of you know he's the voice of uh, singing the national anthem for the uh, Cubs, the Hawks, many other teams and and all kinds of events throughout the world. And uh, we have a lot of great uh, questions to ask him. So make sure you tee up those questions. And for those of you that want to join us um, on social, Kate, what's the best way for people to join us on social? Yeah, so
2: we're live tweeting. Make sure you check it out on Twitter at GetSocialJack and the hashtag InfluenceFactory. And then also engaging with all your questions in the Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance. You can join that and watch it live. And then, of course, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Snapchat at um, Social Jack. So check us out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kate. And then, Jackson, if people want to get previous uh, episodes, I think we're in, are we in the 50s now of episodes?
3: Yeah, this week is uh, episode 54. So if you want to watch uh, any of the ones that came before this, you can listen on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and also Google Podcasts. Oh, and we're on CastBox now, so. And YouTube. And YouTube. YouTube, if you want to watch the recording, see our faces, so. All right.
1: All right. And um, in uh, Influencer News today, we have a special article, Why You Shouldn't Put All Your Focus on Only One Social Media Network.
3: Yeah, so uh, Why You Shouldn't Put All Your Focus on One Social Media Network. Uh, it's a great article uh actually Kate found it, sent it to me uh from social media today and I think this is a really cool article to talk about this week, considering last week Facebook and Instagram were both down, and you know in today's world, you know brands and influencers rely on those channels for a source of income that so when those channels are down there it causes and it sparks a a panic amongst the influencers and the brands because how are they going to talk to their audiences? So that's why it's real important to, you know, not just focus on one or two owned by the same company. (laughs) Uh, So with Instagram and Facebook, you know, Instagram's owned by by Facebook. uh, When Facebook's down, Instagram's going to be down because odds are they're doing updates or their servers are having issues. Will they all share uh, that uh, those assets? So uh, you know, a, a big that's one of the biggest reasons is a lot of these influencers and brands they fled to Twitter to talk to their audiences. A lot of the ones that you know are active on Twitter as well as they are on uh, uh, Instagram and Facebook. So,
1: well, we did that during our show during that period of time because that's when mm -hmm. the uh, platform went down, is when we went to go test the live stream. So,
3: yeah, yeah. So, what we did was we ran over all of us uh, individually, and then from the Social Jack account, we were tweeting out, Hey, make sure to, you know, live tweet to us. Uh, But, you know, we can't do the uh, Facebook live this week uh, because Facebook's down. So,
1: and so we had them join us on Zoom. So that was our backup plan. So.
3: Yeah. So, you know, with Facebook being down for ten plus hours, left a lot of brands and influencers out of who aren't on Twitter and other platforms, uh, really just out there. Left them out to kind of like a fish out of water almost. So you know that, that's a that's a big thing, and also, um, you know. It's totally normal to have a social media platform or account that that performs better than your other ones. So let's say, uh, like for me, I get more engagement and response on Twitter than I do on uh, you know any of the other ones, and that's because I'm I'm more active uh, on Twitter, and that was you know always been my favorite platform. So I put a lot of focus into that one because I see a lot of engagement uh you know, I, that doesn't mean i don't look at you know linkedin facebook and instagram i look at them and i you know I, I post content on there as well but i i don't expect as much of a uh return on my engagement so you know that being said uh you know i think it's also perfectly acceptable to say all right so instagram isn't what we're you know isn't what we're seeing the most return from let's you know cut back on our Instagram and focus on the channels that we are going to see the most uh, engagement and, you know, comments, likes, shares, let's focus on those platforms. I think it's completely acceptable, but I also think that you shouldn't forget about those other platforms because it is nice like last week to have that backup plan in in case one of them goes down. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And
2: I just want to add to it. I think, I think it's a really good reminder for us that this happened last week for a couple different things. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not an influencer, right? Because my dad was like, why does everybody care that Facebook was down? Like, aren't you guys at work? Don't you have jobs? And I just laughed because of course, this is my job. And so I was laughing that it did throw a wrench in all of our plans, but it kind of teaches us some other things. For one, you should have a backup plan right? We have like obviously stream in Facebook and we use Facebook a lot. We have other ways to communicate to our audience. And then we also use Zoom. So it didn't like just put a hiatus in our whole Influence Factory show last week. We were able to still make the show go on. You know, we went through Zoom and we did other ways. So it's kind of to have a backup plan. And then I also had a client tell me that he uses Facebook video chat a lot to talk to people that he has meetings. And so he had to go and download zoom and change all of his plans into zoom. meetings. So it's kind of like a reminder even if you're not an influencer and you didn't lose 10 hours last week because Instagram was down it's just kind of a reminder of one to have a backup plan two to have preferential communication you know make sure that you're having other ways to communicate with businesses or clients or people that you want to do business with um just because Facebook's down there's other ways to get a hold of them and then um Three, it's an update on, or it's a reminder to update those social media profiles. So if Facebook was down and somebody went to Twitter to find you, what are they going to find on your Twitter? You know what I mean? So make sure that you're keeping all of those things updated. And those are some reminders if you're like, well, I'm not an influencer that this really affected. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to see all the tweets and how it was trending last week that Facebook's down and all the memes that came out of it. But, you know, it did throw a wrench in a lot of people's communication plans and influencers and stuff. So it's really, really important to make sure that you have a presence on all platforms. um, So people can reach you, your audience can reach you and, and clients, you know, if you were only, posting content on Facebook and you guys were closed and Facebook was down, you had clients show up because they didn't see anything on any other social media platform, You know that's going to hurt the integrity of the company. So just keep that in mind. We definitely want to understand that there's no single path to success. Everybody finds value out of different social media platforms, but the key is to have a presence everywhere. So just, just keep that in mind from this
1: you know, there's a um, there's a class that we have in the Social Jack platform called Lean Social, L-E-A-N, Lean Social. And it teaches you, you know, because the first thing that comes up and, you know, uh, you know, when Kate says you should be on all platforms or be on multiple platforms is people get overwhelmed. So if you listen to that, it's it's probably two years old, but it's still it it applies today about having your, uh, as Jackson was stating, your preferential channels of where you post to. But think about it's not all about you, it's about your audience. And your audience can live on other channels. So one of the most important things is to make sure that you find out what's important to your audience. And remember the magic of hashtags, which are only supported on some channels more now than it used to be. That's how people fi- new people find you as a lot of times through those hashtagging uh, communities. So you want to make sure you that all that. But if you listen to that episode, uh, that'll tell you how to not be overwhelmed and how to balance multiple channels.
3: Yeah, real quick, just before we um, move on, I, I wanted to also mention that having an email list as well. I know a lot of you uh, have an email list because I'm on some of them, uh, but also because, you know, it, it's, it's a great way to, you know, let's say you don't have a giant following on Instagram and Instagram is not where your audience hangs out, but, you know, Twitter's down. Or you know, Facebook and Instagram. What if they all go down? LinkedIn. You still have...
2: How often does LinkedIn?
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Picture a world where they are all down. You need that way to get you know through to them. You know, you need to be able to communicate with them. So building that email list is going to be essential in at least a backup plan. If you're not pumping out like a weekly or monthly newsletter, so you know th- that's a, that's a big thing. And and the way t- you can uh, just I. Wanted to add uh you can check to see uh which platforms, which websites are down at downdetector.com. So I yeah, I'll put that in the show notes after this, but downdetector.com is uh yeah, you can see Amazon if you your purchases aren't going through. <laughs> you can you can yep. All of them. Spotify if your music's not loading and you know you have Wi-Fi. E-checks
1: or e-checks are not coming in, whatever it is for you. Uh, <laughs> downdetector.com does track all platforms. And Julie says, what if we lose electricity? And uh, you know, then uh, you know, and oh, what here. if Al what if what if Al gore accidentally unplugs the internet, then we're all in trouble. So there's all kinds of factors that play in here, but right. uh we still have pigeons <laughs> that can carry the
3: message. <laughs> there's
2: no way to prepare for everything but
3: yeah well that's all for the you know influencer news update this week make sure to uh tweet to us and stay engaged throughout the week and let us know uh you know what kind of things you're looking for looking to hear and we'll make sure to discuss topics uh relevant to those issues so make sure to do that, and then also don't forget you can subscribe on any of the platforms: uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Google Play Castbox. You can uh, and YouTube. You can spot up. You can download uh, all the podcasts there, and also subscribe and get notified anytime we update or upload. Uh, any of our episodes. So make sure to do that if, you, if your Wednesdays get busy and you can no longer join us live.
1: Uh, all right. Thank you, Jackson and Kate. Now, uh, those of you that are in the live audience, you know, we cut uh, some of these segments out in between. So uh, make sure that you engage with us. We still give away prizes at the end. And now we're going to cut into our guest interview. That would be me. Yes, I know. I'm waiting for Kate. Hold
4: on. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I go away again?
1: All right, just pause. This week's influencer guest is a nationally known speaker, storyteller, singer, and broadcaster. His voice remains closely identified with the singing of the national anthem and has held an association with the Chicago Cubs since 1985, for whom he performed in two games of the 2016 World Series. Please welcome Wayne Messmer.
4: Wayne, welcome. Thank you. So good to be with you. Particularly for my roost. <laughs>
1: Wait a minute. All of a sudden, you have flowers in the background. Where did those that, come that from?
4: Hap- that happened. Just listening to, uh, listening to your delightful repartee, uh, I put up a, just a, a little vase of water, and the next thing I knew... Uh, things were blossoming so uh, thank you for that
1: goodness goodness <laughs> and, and you're sitting in uh, lovely Arizona I know we have people checking in from all over the world um, but lovely Arizona as opposed to being back here in Chicago on this wonderful spring day where uh, it's 60 I don't know what what the temperature is but I know it's raining here but that's 60 I think so
4: but for you it's 60 degrees no
1: I don't know it, it felt like it felt warmer today i'm just guessing so all right okay but happy first day of spring so uh how are the you know i gotta ask you real quick since you're you know at just about every cubs game when you're out there and back here um as well as um not just singing i know you're a fan as well so uh, how are they looking this year <sighs>
4: Well, you know, there's a the big uh, challenge that was thrown to them by being uh, predicted to finish last place in the Central Division, which has already been posted in the uh, locker room, for sure, the clubhouse. Uh, and, and that really has to do with the, uh, the aging of the pitching staff. So some have reached the ripe old age of 35. <laughs> wow. the old age uh, is thirty-five. And I, and I, think, I know everything's relative, but, uh, you know, the, the, they're counting on that. The horses they have can still win the race. And, uh, I don't disagree. You know, they're solid at so many positions and, uh, health withstanding and, uh, um, you know, some breaks here and there. I like, I like this team. Yeah, I do too.
1: I do too. And they're fun. They seem, uh, I always like uh, uh, the synergy of it. You know, we talk about social teaming a lot, you know, you and I uh, just, just talked about that on some coaching sessions. And then also, you know, as we look at life and we look at our social team and the people that we stay connected to, I think one of those uh, teams that, that has done a good job of socially being in relationship with each other and connecting the Cubs of Done a real good job of that, so I believe. Yeah, him. well, you know, there's
4: there is so much uh, pushback with uh, the salaries, and and yeah. now that everyone knows what everyone makes, not necessarily earns, but uh, uh, and, and you better be involved within the community, and uh, you better reach out and be accessible, and uh, you know, just give something back to the fans, and I, and I think right. the Cubs organization is doing that
1: absolutely now now for you you know i um i remember as a hawks season ticket holder there wasn't a game that i can recall and i think i had tickets for a good 7 8 years that you were singing that national anthem most every night there is is that where you started singing the anthem
4: uh well it was every night there for 13 years at uh, at old chicago stadium and actually at a barn. Chicago- the wow. barn, and uh, it was at Chicago Stadium where I first got the uh, the first real exposure, and it was with the uh, Chicago Sting soccer team.
1: Wow, the Sting! That was before yeah. the fire.
4: I was well before the fire. It was before the power. It was before any number of uh, you know kind of uh, variations. But uh, Lee Stern and his. Uh, and his team and uh, I was invited to come out uh, to talk my way into at a christmas party I was working at a radio station that uh, was covering the games and uh, I was doing a a weekly soccer report just because I wanted to on the team and uh, they said well come on down to the to the party and it, I was on the 34th floor and went down to the 15th or whatever it was and I waited till the punch bowl was pretty well depleted and then I said who sings for the games, you know, I I like to give it a run. I didn't show all my cards. And uh, so they said, Oh, yeah, well, come on out. And I think they thought it was going to be one of those DJ type versions. You know, like, you you know, pinky ring version. And uh, instead, I came out and just tore loose and it was god bless america and they go whoa you, you didn't tell us you know well you know you didn't ask but um, they said come on back do another game okay and they loved it they said come on back do another game at which point i inserted pay me and i will <laughs> <laughs> And that led to uh, doing the uh, doing the stadium announcing for them, and uh, just created kind of a strange little combo of a announcer who introduces himself. Now join me, public address announcer Wayne Mesmer. and you know you get over that weirdness because it's what you do. And I would rather have my name pronounced properly. Right. And to have uh, you know, now join <laughs> and then you do it anonymously. So I right. said, uh, and and that led to the um, the Blackhawks exposure, a call from them, and uh, to come out, and then uh, I did that every game for 13 years, uh, regular season, playoffs, and the NHL All Star Game, which is still one of the craziest of all. Uh, Videos, if you want to watch that from uh, 91, a day and a half after the Gulf War had begun. That exposure led to the White Sox. The White Sox for three years as the uh, stadium announcer and uh, national anthem dude, and also uh, singing the uh, seventh inning stretch for the games because Harry Carey had left to go to the Cubs in 82. So I was over there for three years and uh, and did that. And then after the 84 season, I uh, opted for free agency and moved to the north side where I've been for now for 35 years. Um, and then uh, business opportunity kind of found its way uh, on my lap in uh, 1993 to uh, be a part of the uh, uh, the foundation of the Chicago Wolves hockey team. Who hasn't, uh, they
1: have an amazing record too. It's like, you know, when, you know, when I stop watching the Blackhawks, I don't stop. I just don't, you know, tune in as much as I used to. I'm, I'm checking out the Wolves and I'm like, wow, they're on top of it, man.
4: Yeah. And and right now it's, it's great. I mean, the team's currently in first place and uh, we've made about to uh, hit 20 of 25 years. In existence, uh, in the playoffs, won four championships, and I, I truly love that opportunity and uh, respect uh, the guy with the with the money and the passion, Don Levin, who uh, who trusted me with more than just the ability to sing the national anthem. I was brought on. Uh, To really write the business plan, the marketing plan, the game presentation plan, uh, job descriptions, hire everybody, run day to day, Uh, you know, and did I have the, uh, the experience to do that? I had the knowledge, but I hadn't had that opportunity. And it's just give me an opportunity to put the bat in my hand and walk up to the plate. Yeah, right. You know, wrong analogy for hockey, but you, you get what I mean. Yeah, and and I, and I came home after the the meeting where it was was committed, and we kind of had agreed to fall in like before fall in love. And I told my wife Kathleen. She said, "Do you do you you know? Do you think you can do this?" And I said, "I know I can." Plus, you're using someone else's money. <laughs> which is always a, the way to go and then also i i think that if you have the courage to say uh, not only maybe i don't have all of the information but i know what the end result should be and i'm pretty good at finding people who can do what i don't know how to do and help direct them
1: resourceful
4: so, yeah so it, it it worked out 25 years later we're still uh we're still having fun out at the Allstate Arena, and I, I walk in there, and you know my fingerprints are in everything in that building. So it's that's very, awesome. very personal to me. <clears throat>
1: yeah, that uh, the house that Wayne built. Well, I, I well, you, yeah, with some help, <laughs> or or as uh, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow would say, leverage.
4: Exactly. Yeah, reorganization, right. That's how you also in, in hockey. You know, it's the Canadian pronunciation of the process. So,
1: what's interesting is when uh, when we met, um, and it was actually at one of our events, and I was pleasantly surprised when uh, Melissa Wilson brought you on, uh, over into our event, and I'm like, well, yeah, I listened to the, the man sing forever and still do. And then I found out, well, you're a singer, you're a speaker, which makes total sense, and then a broadcaster, an author, and an actor. And I'm like, holy smokes. Like, did all these didn't all happen at the same time, but you know, what order did, did things happen for you? Maybe take us through a little bit of that journey so we can understand how did you and when decide to do some of these things?
4: Yeah. And you know, it's funny because many people will, will give the advice, find your lane, stay in your lane. Well, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I, I thank God every day for the talent that I have been given. And I say that with, with all humility, that when you are given uh, abilities and talent, the whole idea is to use them and respect them and to share them. And uh, I don't apologize the fact that I can do more than tap dance, you know? Right. right. And um, so really, for me, I'm a musician first and everything else second. And try to do as much as possible at the same highest level as what I do best. I Uh, like that. You know, I mean, I I I can sing. People say, "Oh, it's such a difficult song to sing the national anthem." Well, obviously not for me, um, because it fits within my voice range. But that's not the only song that I know. You know, right? I was, yeah, I I didn't know
1: this. You know, I I questions, right?
4: Yeah, and you're constantly trying to rebrand yourself. And there are many people who know me for, out of my, I own a financial services company, you know, Wayne Messmer and Associates in Chicago. And uh, I've done well over 700 financial retirement seminars personally. And so people know, oh, you're my financial guy. Oh, I didn't know he sang. And you you know. <laughs> you know. So there's people
1: from the other side that had no idea. Yeah, exactly.
4: You know, or I heard you on the radio. There's a guy with the same name as you on the radio. Really, that would be me. You know, and uh, and this, so then as <laughs> as an actor, or just in life, and we take on all of these different roles and try to be the best you you can be at any given moment. You and I have talked about this about how um, how I become less concerned all the time about where I am where I am. It doesn't matter that much to me because I'm focusing on just the fact that I am. So I bring, I, I try to bring my best to a conversation, try to bring my best to a, as an audience member, as a performer. I love and revel the fact of being the only guy facing a certain direction in, in front of the room. I love that. Uh, and being basically shy I understand that I can put on that persona and not be phony about it, but right. they're, they're, we all have a, we all have private moments, and uh, and that Wayne the character, the brand, uh, and, and the character as well, uh, can be a little bit different sure than Wayne, you know, very personal. Right,
1: and um, so so musician. I mean, were you playing music as a child, or did you start later?
4: I begged for accordion lessons as a child and uh, growing up in the southwest side you know it's kind of a yeah hey, air neighborhood polish you know a Polish. Sure. and uh it was it was a thing and uh, it was cool because the kid next door was an all-city baseball player played accordion very proficiently so the windows were open and i would hear him play and i'm thinking wait a minute if Tommy can do that and they don't think he's a knucklehead because he plays accordion and maybe little Wayne can do it. Right. not little Wayne, the, the rapper. But, uh, and so I, I started playing, you know, and, and accordion, I've always loved, still play it. it. It catches a lot of flack. People say, uh, a gentleman is someone who knows how to play the accordion, but chooses not to. <laughs> i like that yeah. Yeah, i don't know, I always laugh at that although i did just get a ukulele so that's going to be my next uh, challenge
1: the next so, thing
4: yeah so music uh music has been my thing uh just played i, I began performing by my grandparents had a place up in uh, lived up in just uh, in southeast wisconsin and around their lake they had a community building community house type of thing and They'd have parties and I'd be up there as an eight, nine-year-old, open up the case and sit there and play all the songs that I had learned on the likes of Lawrence Welk Show or Mitch Miller or those things. So I knew all of those heart of my hearts, an old gang of mine and you are my sunshines and sing-along stuff. And I'd be the entertainment. They'd unplug the jukebox and uh, there's this little guy with the big forehead just uh, smiling and grinning and playing. And and I loved it. And my dad uh, was a guy who loved the old um, the old country tunes, uh, the Gene Autry stuff, Bob Wills, you know, the things that go back a few years. And he was a, a guitar player. My brother, uh, Buddy, also is a, is a songwriter and musician and guitar player. And so there was always music in our home. And then my younger sister came along 16 years after me. Wow. And, uh, and uh, she also is a musician. And so, That's there, cool. yeah, there was always music in our home, usually in the kitchen, around the kitchen table.
1: That's cool. That's cool. That is uh, super cool. Yeah. Um. So, you know, when I was uh, when I was part of the season ticket holding, uh, you know, fans, if you will, at that point with the Blackhawks, um I remember clearly there was a there was an evening and you know we all have have life events and turning points and you had a pretty uh, significant one which you talk about in your new book which we'll get to in a minute um but you had a you had an incident that was um that was all over the news and it was uh it was quite an incident you want to take us through that a little bit
4: Yeah it's a it's a situation that really points out how fragile and temporary things are and and, and what a delicate balance. And when, when you think you have both hands on the steering wheel, you're kidding yourself. And, uh, you know, I, in real time, I tell you what happened. I had sung a, a Hawks game, which I had done every game for 13 seasons. And on one particular Friday night of April 8th slash 9th on the overnight uh, uh, a few people uh, stopped over at uh, a place on Taylor Street and uh, it was a 6-1 victory so everybody was kind of happy. It was a full moon. It was spring. and Many things, you know, seemed like they were the dominoes were placed in the right order. And it was time to walk to my car a block and a half back to wired Park. And uh, I had done that so many times before, well over a dozen times before, generally walking with someone from the restaurant as a kind of a just in case. Well, I was alone, got to my car, and uh, as I was nearing it, I saw a young fellow walking toward me and didn't like the looks of it. And so I got in the car, started the car, closed the door, uh, well, closed the door, then started, here. backed up, pulled out of a parking spot, and what I didn't see or hear was a second individual, a 15-year-old, who ran up uh, on me, and uh, apparently he hollered something, which I didn't hear, but uh, they were out to do stick-ups, and as I pulled out, he banged on the window right next to my ear, uh, twice, pow, pow, and then, boom, as I as I hit the gas. And uh, he hit the trigger of a nine millimeter. So shot point blank, um, you know, and that it, uh, it got me right in the, in the neck. So right here and traveled through and did not exit. Uh, I would have bled out right there. And uh, at a moment like that, what do you do? You know, I, I and mean, I can ask that question. And fortunately, most people have not had the experience to be able to answer it but uh, you you think survival, and so I hit the gas and I drove a block and a half back to where I just come from, looking along the way at the face of the young man who first I saw, who was standing under a street lamp, and I got a a very indelible image of his face, thinking this may be the only eyewitness to my murder in progress. Um, I still think it pretty clearly, but you, adrenaline, fear, all those things. Right. And uh, parked the car. I never did see the kid who pulled the trigger. Never knew where it came from. And But it was obvious. You don't need a, any previous experience to let you know that you've just been shot. Right. So I got out, knocked on the door of uh, where I had come from. And uh, I came in, sat down, waited for the police, the ambulance to arrive, was able to just Uh, motion, what had happened, you know, I'd been shot, which I guess was fairly obvious. And, uh, off we went to Cook County Hospital, and uh, there were some life saving surgeons, were just happened to be many, 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 many things happened to make me think there was some divine intervention. I was wearing a tie at the time that went into the bullet hole and stopped a lot of the bleeding. Wow. Uh, the fact that uh, a a dear friend of mine who was a nursing student at the time was there. And so you walk back into a party and the term buzzkill suddenly goes into action. It's like, Anthem boy, this guy's been, uh, he's been hit. So I sat down and, and everyone scattered. And uh, she came over, just a a sweetheart of a a friend. And uh, she came over and sat with me, put, pressure on the on the wound and we waited the the police came took their report I had to mimic or uh, somehow uh, you know tell them what happened my car was parked outside illegally I might point out and then uh, I got thrown in a meat wagon and off we went and went to county hospital and the two paramedics who came I remember them so vividly the the look in their eyes and uh after brought them back to a Chicago Wolves hockey game where we do a uh, salute to hometown heroes and I brought them out on the ice with me and it was the first time that the three of us have been together since that fateful night and uh, there's a uh, actually there's a picture of it on my uh, uh, on the website and uh, sang the anthem and I was able to introduce them you know Bill and Henry and, uh, as the guys who saved my life, yeah, they stood next to me in uniform and it's a Wayne sandwich with a couple of my heroes and they're in uniform standing there in full salute. It's one of the great glorious moments uh, of thank you that I was able to do in my life.
1: That's, that's super cool. And, and I can recall the night that it happened, I think, um, a uh, uh, WGN or one of the local news agencies had, had actually reported you had been shot and killed. Um, yeah, I didn't.
4: I didn't hear that, but I heard about it, and uh, yeah. I, you know, it's like the uh, rumors of my demise have been greatly uh, exaggerated.
2: So.
1: Right, and and um, <clears throat> and then it seemed like you know we hadn't heard anything because obviously you're healing at that moment, but it almost seemed like. Um, were you back that same season because it seemed like it wasn't that it, like all of a sudden they're like and returning and you were, came out you know yeah. with, with Kathleen your wife and all of a sudden it's like wait how how's he here <laughs> you know so, yeah it was interesting
4: well yeah. how i made it I, I i think is uh it's miraculous yeah. truly because yeah. uh, the fact that i lived through that is pretty impressive the fact that i was able to still speak is uh, pretty same, marvelous to and me and yeah. But singing is like, come on, man! And you know, it's it's interesting because the police report says attempted armed robberies. If nothing had been taken, they didn't get money. They, but they could have reached into my chest and ripped my heart out, and gotten less than they got for me by stealing my voice. But I just, there were things that I just. You know, we, when we are victimized, traumatized, downsized, lied to, cheated on, whatever it is, you know, we fall into the category where they say there's only two types of people those who have been hurt and those who have been hurt worse,
0: yeah.
4: you know. So it's not the uh, precipitous event that tests what we're made of, it is our reaction to it. Right. Now, I will tell you, there were moments during the recovery where I stood. In my living room at home when we were living in Mount Prospect, Illinois at the time. And, uh, you know, after the, the dust had settled, after 29 days of a story in one of the newspapers where it's like, OK, now you're on your own. You know, uh, other people's lives have to continue and you have to grab on something to keep you from from really exploding from within. One, I was not going to let anybody steal the opportunity for me to sing again with my wife. Two, I I wanted what I had started, the Chicago Wolves, I wanted them to be a success. And because that was right when we were getting going. And uh, three, I wanted to eventually record an album, a CD of songs, no matter what my voice ever came back as. Of of songs that truly express from my heart, and the last thing. Now, remember, this is 1994, so you can tell I was possibly uh, induced by by morphine or something because I was saying, "Should the Cubs ever make it to the World Series in 1994? Should they ever do that? I would pray that if the voice comes back, that I get to sing at a Cub World Series." And amazingly, I tell the greatest day of my life, October 30th of uh, 2016. We started the day, Kathleen and I sang. We were hired to sing a, a a birthday party for a dear friend of ours, and we sang all sorts of juicy, lovely, romantic musical stuff. Check mark number one. We then got into, a, into the car and drove out to the Allstate Arena where there were 15,000 people that afternoon at a hockey game, and I walked out at a very successful Chicago Wolves hockey game. Check mark number two. Got into the car and drove to our next event and listened to some of the music, uh, a couple tunes from my album called So Lucky to be Loving You. Check mark number three. And where were we going? We were on our way to Wrigley Field all in the same day. To sing for Game Six, a uh, game uh, Game Five, excuse me, Game Five of the 2016 World Series, to sing "God Bless America" and "America the Beautiful." After I had finished singing there that night, uh, I, I, I don't I don't know if I could ever top that, you know. So I'm I'm in constant search of of still searching for great moments. To create great memories and planting good seeds so that they happen.
1: Yeah, that's super cool, and um, yeah, and I'm I'm sure there's uh, even more great moments uh, to come. So, um, so you have a you have a, a new, uh, and and we're so pleased that you did make it through there, so you could continue on with all this uh, great stuff. Now
4: this would be a this would be a very silent uh, program if I hadn't. So
1: yeah, right, huh? I'm <laughs> Now, the book uh, Voice for Victory has this as part of there, but give us um, uh, and there's a lot of people chiming in here that they're super inspired by this. So Voice of Victory, which you can find at Waynemesmer.com if you click on the store. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what's in the book
4: well i would uh, i would send them to amazon.com probably but okay. you can you can read about it certainly at WayneMessmer.com. the book tells the story it's auto autobiographical about uh, you know the the path that i've been fortunate enough to to take with the sports and radio and um, theater and just love of life and love of wife a great uh, supporter uh, who looked at me squarely in the eye when things really looked glum and uh, she said we should we should uh, not accept anything less than complete recovery I'm thinking have you seen the charts you know uh, it's it's tough to try and buy into that dream when you've got a tracheotomy tube and a respirator and IVs and every imaginable orifice and uh, you know but I, I couldn't I couldn't let go. I mean, life is way too much fun. You right. know, just the gift of life. I wasn't done yet, you know, and and uh, it, it talks about not only the foundation of faith and family and friends that I built my life upon and fortunately already had as a foundation uh, when this happened. So it wasn't like, oh, I got to, you know, come up with some... Uh, uh, some faith uh, at a time when i'm in trouble you know i i often say when when things are not going well we 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 ask god and when things are going well we thank him you know and uh, but the big thing is forgiveness i think it's a, a tremendous part of life that so many of us need to let go already of some things. Uh, closure is a word that I don't really use because I think we need to forgive, but never forget because we learn from those experiences. And, uh, you know, you can't have a, you can't get up stronger and more with more resolve. And, uh, unless you get knocked down in the first place, God help us even get shot. I'd prefer that that didn't happen, but, uh, It's in my past and I'm able to tell that story and use it as a platform, not only in the the book, The Voice of Victory, but to take people through how did I get through the, the anger, wanting revenge, wanting justice, something that was not mine to hand out. And the only antidote for revenge is forgiveness. And that is a horribly bitter pill to be looking at in your hand. It's like, it takes it takes uh, some work. But uh, forgiveness leads to freedom. And freedom in my life is the, uh, uh, the ability to interact with people and believe in the common good above all. And uh, not to be Pollyanna about it, but uh, it's, it's, it's tough to ruin my day.
1: <laughs> I can always tell that about you. No matter what's going on, or you could be feeling, you know, ill, but you don't, you know, you don't seem ill when I'm talking to you. So it's just always how yeah. how you uh, how you grab on and make it happen, you know. So that's that's super cool. So um, you know, and one one thing that's interesting in there too is that you tell a story about a, a visit that you made after the fact right so when you talk about forgiveness there's quite a story in there about how uh you know maybe it was closure for you or for uh for everyone involved do you want to just speak a few minutes about that then people can check out the rest in the book
4: yeah it uh it's unfinished business you know that uh, that sometimes haunts us or haunts us and uh, for me it was five years after the the incident and uh, I I still had questions I mean what you know you know we go through the why me I mean that's a, a classic victim question which I think we all need to get over right. and ask a more important question why not me which again says if you're you want to be a member of the human race and a card carrying member you're going to have to pay some dues and uh, some dues are higher than others for me I needed to release the anger. I needed to, to, I, I can't house that, uh, that kind of bitterness, uh, the borderline hatred. It it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And, uh, I just didn't want it. And so I needed to, to let it go. So I hopped in a car and drove for three and a half hours to, uh, to make a prison visit. And, uh, went in and uh, sat down and uh, <clears throat> saw the young man who was involved and, uh, you know, I waited and waited and I hadn't seen him in a, in a few years since the last time I saw him, he was being let out of 26th in California in an orange jumpsuit, uh, sentenced to eight, 10, 12 and 21 years concurrently. And uh, in many ways victimized as was I by being in the wrong place at the wrong time, although his decisions were, were what brought him where he was. I, I, I just, I wanted to ask him well, what happened. So I went in, sat down, and thought it was gonna be one of those meetings with the like a, uh, a an old courtesy exchange, you know, where you sit with the, the double glass. Yeah,
1: right.
4: On the uh, phone. Right. A little phone, and then some guy with no sense of humor taps you on the shoulder, and that's it, and you're done. After five minutes, well, I sat, first of all, waiting for 45 minutes in a cafeteria, and sat down at a, at a little table and then waited for this uh, young man to come down. He walked in and I'm thinking the entire time, why, 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 why am I doing this? And I'm getting more nauseous by the moment. And I think I needed to. And I finally figured out that if there was a person who had the uh, right, I guess, uh, to hate this guy, it'd be me. I couldn't do it. I'm not going to house hate. So, okay. So he walks in, and he looks at me, and his eyes get so big, and he's like, "I can't, I can't believe that you've come to see me." Repeatedly, he said this. I took his hand, shook his hand, and called him by name, and uh, said, "I'm here to see how you're doing." I, I was first of all, I was wondering if he'd even recognize who I was. Well, obviously. <clears throat> he knew. And we sat down and we talked. I said, There are a couple things here that I want to uh, put on the table right away. Now, uh, having a PhD in psychology, I kind of brought the Dr. Wayne guy with me. Right. And, uh, you know, so uh, I said, Like it or not, we are indelibly fused for the rest of our lives because of being at the same intersection at one specific moment. Nothing you tell me can make your situation any worse. Nothing you tell me can make it any better. so all we have is the truth. So tell me what happened that night. and we talked and we talked
1: That's, that's amazing.
4: As we sat down and I had shaken his hand, uh, i I didn't let go and I created a, a bond with you know an eye contact, and we talked and we talked and we talked and we talked for two and a half hours. Wow. Then it was time to go, and uh, I stood, he stood, and uh, I just said, I, I, I bid you peace, hopefully. You know, I mean, we talked about forgiveness. We talked about life after prison. We talked about what it did to my life, what it did to his. And it was it was significant. And uh, in the book, I, I described the entire meeting. And I'll tell you one thing, and here's where I, I really want to bear my soul on this, because as I sat there waiting for this meeting, I'm thinking, if you, as in me, are just having this conversation for the purpose of coming up with a final chapter in your book, I mean, you got to be honest with yourself. If that's my motivation, then I'm a phony. Right. Uh, But that wasn't it. And uh, it, it made an enormous difference in my life when I got back into my car and drove home. I was a, a different person. You know, the piano had been lifted off of my back. And, sure. and then that, uh, that evening when uh, Kathleen came home from teaching, uh, I'm standing there and I had that, uh, you know, the cat that just swallowed the canary look. And, uh, she said, what, what's going on? He said, well, I took a little drive today. <laughs> <laughs> and I explained it to her and, uh, I tell you, she's, she's a wonderful, very spiritual and loving person, and and understood that that's what I needed to do. So it's a it's a powerful story to tell because you know so many people are holding grudges. You know, well even the,
1: even the yeah even the comments that are coming in from some of the mm-hmm. audience members in different areas here it's it's interesting how we can all relate to. I think you said it early on is like you know it's almost like we create our own, uh, entrapment based on grudges and, uh, not forgiving. Um, and, and I think one other key thing you said is like the truth will set us free. You know, we've heard that cliche forever. And yeah, you know, you, you made that determination when you sat with the young man that, you know, let's just get to the truth. What was so, you know, that happened.
4: Right. And it was uh, it was an incredible. It was an incredible moment, you know. And uh, I caught some heat over it as well, you know, saying, "Why would you do that?" You know, you know, I would have probably punched the guy. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't, and I didn't. And uh, uh, you know, people also, when they read uh, or the voice of victory, every once in a while, they will say, uh, I, "I catch a little flack for being so." forward about the importance of my personal faith life yeah uh, it's funny because somebody hey church boy you know and i kind of chuckle and say boy does that say a lot more about you than it does about me right (laughs) so i can bring it on you know i'm i can handle
1: it. right so uh the voice of victory is the book waynemesmer.com we'll send all those links out like we always do and um you know, it's what's interesting, Wayne, is you and I have a, a workshop that we're going to announce. It's going to take place uh, at Wrigley Field, um, and um, you know, there's so many topics. Uh, just as I've gotten to know you, uh, that you know so much about. I mean, not only is it motivation and inspiration, but there's elements of leadership and and leading others as well as leading ourselves to the to the place that. You know, feels right for us to be in this lifetime because I, I believe you said it that, that life is short, and it's it's a you know uh, at my at my mom's service. You know, when we when we buried my mom, it was like there's two dates on your tombstone, and there's a dash, and that dash is like this incredible span of life that we live, but it really is just a dash, man. It's a dash of everything, you know. And so when you think about that, you know, the gift of of you making it through, making it to where you are and having this inspirational story to share with us. But then being able to teach others, business owners, salespeople, and things like that, I think is incredible. And I I look so forward to doing some of this stuff with you.
4: Yeah, I think it's gonna be great, you know, because people need the the shot of positive vibes, you know, good company, good friends, uh, positive vibes. And, and I know you're all about educating and inspiring and entertaining. And that's, that's my thing. You know, I, I love the entertainment end of it. Uh, as an educator, I mean, I was fully planning on being a high school band director. That's why I went off to college in the first place down to <laughs> Illinois Wesleyan. And, uh, you know, uh, and then uh, loved the counseling end. Is so why I got into graduate school at Loyola and beyond. And uh, so I don't know, sometimes you, I look at my resume, if I ever had to make one, it would look like a guy who can't keep a job, but <laughs> look more like a guy who never gets rid of one. You know, I add something and it's like, okay, how can we, and, and I learned a few things through the financial company, uh, Wayne Mesford Associates, and also through the Chicago Wolves hockey team, how to build things from scratch that provide the wonderful residual income. And I think that's a lesson, uh, that, that needs to be taught as well. And, uh, especially the young people that it just uh, you know, unless you're a, unless you're a trust fund baby, or, uh, you know, your first job is vice president of your dad's company as you what? You're going to have to work a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, and it's well worth it. And I, and I think that's, that's maybe the message that hard work meets opportunity. That's good luck. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. So you can, We can cliche ourselves to death on this. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, so, and people are saying how inspired they are and, uh, and uh, <laughs> everybody's uh, chiming in here, so it's super cool to see everybody get inspired by this. Well, stay tuned, everybody, because if you want to visit Wrigley Field, and Wayne and myself will be there. Uh, I think we uh, picked a June date for that over the summer. But we'll uh, definitely clue everybody in on that. But um, so, uh, so Wayne, I just want to say it's an honor to have you as one of our influencers. Uh, as part of the social Jack family. We love uh, your story. And and again, every time I spend time with you, I learn, um, I get inspired. And, and I just want to thank you again, from the bottom of my heart, how cool it is uh, to just have you as part of uh, our community and our family. So thank you again for your stories and inspiration. It's
4: my pleasure. I'm, I'm learning every day as well. And, you know, it's, I think if, if, I can impart something to people in terms of the inspiration. end. it's uh, just discover within any, any relationship, any given moment, how can you truly be in it? See, because the term that I, that I love, and I use this as an opening um, on most every one of my keynote talks, and I start with the words, sometimes the true value of a moment. Is never realized until it becomes a memory. Yeah, missed the opportunity. They should have, could have, might have. Come on, come on, make it meaningful. I had a breakfast yesterday with with a dear friend of mine, a, 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 a Catholic priest, veteran, real guy. You know, a guy whom I really believe in, and and uh, and we just. I needed some validation I needed some inspiration. I do a lot of uh, speaking within the, the different faith communities and men's groups and and plus I do a one-man play on a, on a character named Father Damien who was a Saint Damien who was a tremendously inspirational character who was a guy who took a job that nobody else wanted and I was living uh, working and ministering among the leper community, the outcasts in uh, Hawaii. Back in the uh, late 1860s and through 1889, when he passed away on the island of Molokai, and uh, I look like the guy, and I, I I take it very seriously. And when I was uh, injured, I was praying to Father Damien. And uh, so when people say, "Well, why?" Again, why did something happen? Why do you have these these horrible events happen, even to good people? Well. I think it's, why did I get better? Why, uh, you know, you, you, you I prayed not only to, to get well, but if I were to get well, that I would be better. And so well, why did I get better? So that we could be in this conversation, you and I, Dean, at, right. this, moment. at
1: this moment. Yeah.
4: yeah. I was looking for That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, thanks again for being on with us. Go to wainmesmer.com And uh, make sure to check out the Voice of Victory and uh, Wayne, uh, we'd like to uh, reach out to the community. Wayne uh, loves to speak and uh, is looking for more speaking and keynote opportunities. So uh, please, 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 as those come about, make sure that you uh, let us know or let Wayne know. And we'll be happy to uh, match that up against his busy schedule. And the cool thing is he publishes his event calendar, which is a little bit overwhelming, as I must say, but it is uh, it is nonstop. So uh, if you want to uh, book Wayne for one of your events, uh, just make sure to look for an open date and contact them quickly because they fill up. So with that being, all,
4: I'll, I'll make time. I will make time for you. There <laughs> we go. That's my finger yeah, point.
1: Figure you. it out, right? So, <laughs> again, thanks for being one of our influencers, and uh, uh, we look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks,
4: Wayne. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, James.
1: All right. So let's, uh, let's bring our, uh, our peeps back on. So Kate, what did you get out of this episode?
2: I, I just like love talking to Wayne all the time. I was lucky enough to spend a lot of one-on-one time with him um, doing, getting him set up on social and everything. But my favorite thing about Wayne's aura is what he about don't hold grudges and he's He's so not like that in any way. Like a lot of people who have been through things have a hard time helping others. And Wayne always has his hand out like to give. And so I think, I think that's one of the most respectable things. And then of course you can't have a conversation with, with him without him dropping some wisdom bombs on you. So. Always- <laughs> wisdom bombs. I like that. <laughs> yeah. He's like constantly
1: quotable.
4: So. I, I was afraid where you were going for a second. <laughs>
1: and then uh and then Jackson what'd you get out of it real quickly because we're running over here
4: oh yeah no
3: definitely the uh, the same thing that Kate was saying uh you know just you know, being able to let go of that and you know forgive and I think that's like something a lot of I'm watching the chat right now a lot of people have trouble with uh, including myself uh it, you just moving past that you know putting up that it it puts up a wall almost and, and, you know, you got to break through that wall to move forward. So I think it's probably uh, probably the biggest thing that resonated with me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. Thanks again. And then uh, a lot of people, then Wayne, if we have additional questions, we'll get some answers for you on that. We'll post it on social media and then uh, we'll respond to people in that fashion. And Jackson, real quick, we have two winners from today. Who are those winners?
3: Yes, we have Bill Egan from uh, on the Zoom platform and then uh, Nina Christine on uh, Facebook Live. So I will be in contact with you guys uh, sending out those cards, uh, the Starbucks gift cards after the webcast.
1: Now, remember, the rules of the Starbucks gift cards are when you get those, whoever you take for coffee or that you're with, you're to share some of the story that you heard from Wayne and parts that moved you and motivated you. And what are you going to do differently based on the story that you heard from Wayne? So make sure that you share the wisdom that you've learned today with those that you care about over a frappuccino, cappuccino, or green tea, or whatever it is you drink when you go to Starbucks. And uh, the rest of you, please share that today with others that you care about. So with that being said, from all of us here at Social Jack and the Influence Factory, uh, we'll see you all online. Take care, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you.